0: Greetings, and welcome to the Thirsty Mage, the podcast that just hired a voice actor to narrate all of our future episodes. I'm your host, David Lloyd, and this week we'll be discussing another one of the wonderful supergiant developed titles, Bastion. It wasn't that long ago that we had an episode on Transistor, and now it's time to, to take a look at its predecessor. And for the second week in a row, we've got another guest with a delightful accent from the Commonwealth. But first, let me just introduce an individual from the westernmost point of the Commonwealth map. He's the reviews editor at Nintendo World Report, Jordan Rudick.
1: So I'm going to try something here, so just bear with me. Um... No, I'm not going to do it. I was going to try to do the voice. From, I was going to try to do the voice from the uh, the narrator of Bastion, but I'm too embarrassed now. I I was practicing. I was practicing it before we started recording. I'm like, oh, this actually sounds pretty good. I wonder how it will sound on the podcast. But I'm I'm too I'm too much of a I'm too much of a chicken. So uh, maybe maybe I'll get David to add it in post or something like that. But uh, Man. You know, it's it's tough. You know, it's tough to do a voice because you in your in your head it might sound okay, but then when it comes out, it's like totally wrong, and it's like oh. You know, I I embarrass myself enough on the podcast. I don't need to do it in the introduction. So
0: <laughs> there are plenty of plenty of opportunities uh, throughout the episode to do that's, that. So. That's right.
1: Yeah, and I don't I don't yeah. want to embarrass myself in front of a new guest because he might never he might never come back. So
0: yeah. Well, and uh, for the second straight week, I forgot to ask uh, the the guest how I meant, to pronounce I meant the to name. Remind so remind you to <laughs> um, um. We're gonna we're we're taking this trip again. So hey, no, uh, making it's, his.
1: F- it's exactly just, just say it the way you think it should be. I think, I think I'll be alright this time. <laughs>
0: yeah. And uh, making his first trip to the mage, I'd like to welcome from the podcast and website, The Switch Island, Ben Kingalton.
2: Is oh, close? so close, oh. so close. It's actually pronounced uh, Detlefson. Yeah. <laughs> <No. Sorry. laughs> very good, very good, yeah. It's, it's no, not all, the... Somebody listened to
0: last
1: week's episode. Not at all spelled how it sounds. <laughs> exactly, yeah. Yeah, no chance, David.
2: It. <laughs> no it's uh it's congleton but close enough congleton. I've, 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 okay. I've heard worse i've heard worse variations of it. but yes thank you thank you for having me uh yeah jordan i'm desperate to hear your um your rucks impression now
1: yeah i, I <laughs> at, at some point you know I just, if i were really drinking heavily we'd probably get there at some point this episode but uh <laughs> I, what i'd like to hear is all of david's permutations of your last name so we, if we want to spend <laughs> the next five minutes doing that thing <laughs>
0: Well, it's funny too because I, I I'll get it I could get it right like a hundred times off air, but as soon as as soon as the pressure's on, like my mind just for, forgets everything and the tongue tongue gets uh, all tied and screwed up. And... So
1: it's it's the same as me trying to do the accent then. So what we really need yeah. is to do Ben's last name butcher it in the accent from Bastion, and then we'll be good. <laughs> <laughs> oh, will we'll really be. We'll really have a uh, you know top ten podcast going here. So yep. yep. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Well, uh, Ben, you're, you're from the the land of uh, some some really good beer the 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 where the pubs. I don't know if they began there, but they certainly uh, have been mastered there. So I'm yep. curious if if you have uh, any. I don't know what time it is over there right now. Maybe maybe it's too early for, for something uh, of a brew.
2: No, it's it's just gone eight p.m. and the kids are in bed. And uh, yeah, so being I I I actually thought about this just before coming on air. I, I thought did we invent the pub surely we invented the pub but i didn't get time to google it beforehand so <laughs> someone will need to fact check us but let's our, assume uh, next, for argument's episode, sake that we did
1: next episode is going to be on the history of the pub and we'll have ben back to, it. A <laughs> yeah, fall, fall amazing break down, okay <laughs> i'm but, worried yeah. about
0: like some germans or belgians coming after us for right. uh, butchering the uh the history but That's someone true. will let us know
2: yeah but well, we did it best, and I'm uh, I'm representing my country and uh, where I live in South London, and also covering, just in case Jordan isn't drinking an alcoholic beverage, I've got three on the go at the moment. <laughs> <And> I, <laughs> he's, drinking for the, he's drinking for all of us. I knew exactly. this was the episode
1: I could take off, because going to cover <laughs> <me> here, so. <laughs> I've got your back. Yeah, he's um, got a
0: flight. He's got a flight ready.
1: Yeah, but his flight, they're all like. <laughs> They're all like pint glass. They're all full pints, right? Like, <laughs> it's not going to defeat the purpose of the flight if you're if you're drunk halfway through it. But
2: it's the only way I can get through a flight. Actually, uh, oh, that's that's, that's my way. I was a bit of a nervous flyer, and then I've just found the answer is just to get really drunk.
1: Hold on, hold um, on. Now we've we've got we've lost something in translation here. So David David says flight. Unless you're making a joke of it, Ben. When David says flight, he means like a, a set of tasting beers. I don't know if they have them in England. Like we we get them in Canada, I think in the States as well. But a flight of beers would be like four different small glasses of beer or alcohol. Uh-huh. And you just taste them. Yeah, so you're not, you're not getting like a full pint. It's, it's probably,
0: that, no. uh, usually it's between a quarter or a half pint. Yeah. It'd be like four half pints or uh, four quarter pints. and But they would be nice. like four different, completely different
2: beers. You lost me a, a small glass of beer, I'm afraid. That's <laughs> no, fair enough. Yeah, nice. that fair enough.
1: I don't know if you're uh, ever going to but... make
2: it to Canada then, Ben. <laughs> <laughs> no. We just do no. tastings over here. So, uh, no, I've got I've got three very, you know, average-sized cans of uh, craft beer from, from the local area. So I've got a Brixton Brewery electric IPA, um, which is what I'm working on at the moment. <laughs> make it sound like a project. Uh, and then a uh, Gypsy Hill. Which is another area of South London where I used to live. Uh Hepcat Session IPA. And a brick brewery Peckham Session. Uh Peckham is another area of South London nearby. Which I don't know if you guys have um have you ever seen Only Fools and Horses? It's a British uh, sitcom, an old one from like the eighties, I guess. I don't know I don't think it, think so. No. no. It probably wouldn't translate to be honest, but yeah, it was set in Peckham. That's what made Peckham famous essentially. But uh but yeah, very much enjoying uh, having these in front of me, and looking forward to draining them all as we as we crack on.
1: <laughs> the only, the only, I'm trying to think of like British shows that have come over, like Faulty Towers. Obviously, we saw uh, mm. Coronation Street is still on TV. I'm sure, Ben, you're you're up to date with your Coronation Street, no doubt.
2: Um, <laughs> uh, actually, it was on the news today, Coronation Street, that they've because oh, really? um, they had to stop. They basically they've they've been filming it since the show started every single day. Yeah. For the last thirty or forty years, however long it's been on TV,
1: yeah, it might even be longer uh, than that. I think it's one of the longest-running soap operas. of that yeah. whole time, right. Yeah,
2: but they've just restarted uh, filming it post uh, coronavirus, um, right? Okay, but they're all the actors are social distancing. Uh, all the camera crew are kind of standing back from everyone. The actors are walking around in masks, yeah. so it's 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 bizarre because it it reflects, you know, what's actually going on in the world. And they're kind of addressing it in the show itself. Which, um, yeah, I, I guess that's the yeah. only
1: way to make that to make it happen, right? If you're if you're filming all yeah. the time, you can't just like you know social distance in a, an episode that has nothing to do with a pandemic, because then you're gonna yeah. wonder what the heck is going on, right? So, <laughs> my my yeah. grandmother, like, uh, so my grandparents are from Scotland on my mom's side, and they, uh, uh when when they were alive, my grandmother, you've watched Coronation State religiously, like I that that themes the theme song that plays. Uh, mm. At the beginning and the end of the episode, like it's kind of ingrained in my brain because it, it was always on when we would come over to their place. So, uh, yeah. not that I have fake fond memories of watching the show or anything like that. It just it, it's one of those things you connect with a with a person, I guess, right?
2: Yeah, it's yeah. Uh, I've, I've never seen an episode of it in my entire life, and and yeah, I'll just hear that theme music and just ugh, yeah, I just <laughs> uh, yeah, not good. I
0: I just watched a Bill Nye um, Agatha Christie thriller. It was like a four part, four parter that came over, uh, played on the CBC here.
1: Hold on, oh. Bill Nye.
0: I, yeah, no, oh, not, not Bill Nye. Not, the, not Bill Nye. Nye. <laughs> I'm probably pronouncing his name wrong too. Um, I can't. It had a very generic sounding name though. But it was, uh, it was just on like a couple weeks ago. Oh, okay. I, but mm. it's the again it's the, not something I've ever seen. The guy seen. from like Love Actually, and he played Davy Davy Jones and. Uh,
1: I, I, I can pick. I can picture the actor. I know. I think it's Bill Nye. Nigh- I think it's a Nye. He maybe Nye. Nigh- Nigh- yeah. Nigh- yeah. Yeah. I think so.
0: Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. yeah. I always enjoy. You've him watched. You've watched more British stuff
2: season. than I have. I think by the sound of it.
0: Oh, yeah. Well, it's funny. Me. I watched the um the, the they tried an American version over here, but one of my uh, favorite sitcoms was *Coupling*.
2: Hmm. Yeah. That was like a. It's supposed to be the British version of *Friends*. That was what it yeah. was kind of marketed as. I don't think it's anywhere near as successful. <laughs> it was is that funnier a, though.
1: Is, is that a term hmm. that's used more uh, around where you are, Ben? Like, does coupling have a special meaning to it, or
2: <laughs> no, is it part it's of the very... vernacular? I don't know. <laughs> no, not at all. No, um, it's a very kind of old world word, and yeah, not I would say something so. that you know. It's, uh, I'm trying to think of a, a kind of equivalent to it, like courting. Uh, who are you courting at the moment? Okay, okay, yeah. Nobody, Again, nobody talks like rut. that. Yeah, exactly. But um, yeah, strange, strange title when you think about it.
1: Um, so uh, the the drink that I've brought today, I I, I can't drink alcohol because Ben took it all. There's actually no more left in the world, unfortunately. <laughs> but, between the two of you, uh, you lushes, uh, I can't get a, a, a drop in edgewise. Um, so I it's it, so we're recording a little bit earlier than we normally do. Normally we record at eight p.m. Uh, Pacific time. Uh, which is obviously for me after my kids go to bed. Uh, but uh, because we wanted to get Ben on the show, uh, it's 8 p.m. for uh, his local time. Uh, it's uh noon uh my time, and then 3 p.m. uh David's time. So uh, a little early, little early for uh for alcohol, although some might say that's not that's never the case. Uh, but I've got a Starbucks drink with me. Uh, so my go to Tuesdays and Thursdays when. Uh, the, uh, wife and kids are out of the house. Uh, my wife takes the kids to, uh, her parents' house. And so I've got the day to, uh, kind of work by myself. So what I've got is my standard, uh, venti cinnamon dolce latte, uh, with soy milk. Uh, it's a decaf just for Casey, uh, extra hot. Uh, cause I, I, I don't like when the, the lattes can, you kind of get them when they're lukewarm. I'm like, uh, it's, I don't like to drink it like that. So extra hot. Uh, no whipped cream. Uh, it takes me like ten minutes just to put the order in because it's so many words, but uh, uh, it's very good. So, uh, that yeah, that's my go-to Tuesday and Thursday. And uh, it, I mean, David, I think you and I talked a little bit about the soy milk and how like you know you, maybe may the one at Starbucks has a different taste to it or it's a different type that they use. Um, I find yeah. that because this drink has so much other crap in it that I don't even taste the soy milk. So <laughs> no, uh, that's no, how, I, I agree. That's why I like this one.
0: <laughs> yeah, I've, I've had. I don't usually get anything in in my lattes, but I've had the one that you're talking about before, yeah. and yeah, that it overpowers. That if I ever so. get stuff like that, I usually have to ask for half sweet because even the yeah. half sweet is too sweet.
1: Yeah. Um, so when the fall drinks come out, like the pumpkin spice and uh, gingerbread, whatever they do around the holidays, I get those half sweet because I think the for whatever reason, like that, that's just too much syrup. But uh, this this yeah. one I find it's it, most of the time it's okay. Sometimes it is a little bit too sweet, but uh, I don't mind it. It's it's my like I said, my Tuesday, Thursday routine, so.
0: Yeah, even one pump is enough in a lot of cases, though. Yeah, yeah. Because, like, regular t- sweets, four pumps, it's crazy.
1: Yeah, it it, it is a lot, and I, I think back to, like, pumpkin spice lattes I've had, where I couldn't even, it, it was so sweet. I think they do five pumps in a venti sometimes. I, I just couldn't even drink it. I'm like, I just put it down like a, no, oh, too much.
0: Well, uh, Ben, I think you had mostly IPAs there, and I've been I've been on an IPA kick, and I thought uh, it's about time to to move on to something else. So I ended up going with a logger. I don't even remember the last time I've had a logger, ah. and the uh, the one I went with this time is it's called West Coast Logger from Lancaster. It's pretty nice. It's uh, a six percent, uh, which is I think it's pretty high for uh, for loggers anyway. Usually, uh, yeah, they're, they're, they're on the lower end of loggers,
2: about, about five, don't they normally? But... Yes, yeah, yep. mm. You do like your potent brews, though, don't you?
0: I do. Like, if double digits is usually where I'm around, <laughs> somewhere around there. It's got to be as strong as a wine. That's my attitude. But uh, no, it's pretty good. Like I said, I usually uh, I'm in the darker region of beers. Uh, in the summertime, I tend to go to the lighters, like the white IPAs or the or just regular IPAs. Uh, but then, yeah, I specifically thought. I don't even remember the last time I had a lager, so I'm going to find one. And I know Jordan likes to likes to, to know uh, some of the details of it. So I looked up exactly the difference between a lager and an IPA. Thank you. So a lager is cold fermented. So the the beer is kept cold through the fermented period. And because it's cold, the yeast falls to the bottom. So it's like a bottom-up ferm- fermentation. Mm. But with an IPA, the, it's fermented warm. Um, so the the yeast stays on the top and it's... Uh, the cold fermenting, I believe, takes a little bit longer to for to to brew, but that that is the the difference, the main difference between a lager and an IPA, so now is we've, the temperature we've, of where it's brewed.
1: We've gone full circle from Bill Nye to Bill Nye the Science Guy. So that's <laughs> right. <laughs> I, it's, it's very good that we ended with your science talk David. I think that makes a lot of sense and I, I appreciate knowing those things is it's you know the difference between different types of beers is not something I would I would be aware of or I think that you know, is explained all that much unless you're unless you're really a, a beer connoisseur or something like that. so, uh, so that's good mm. to know
2: Well a lot of them are uh, kind of based on where they're brewed aren't they the, the style of beer so like a, a Pilsner is from near Pilsen in the Czech Republic for example, or uh, Mm. was it a a Kirsch is from, so, okay, this is an opportunity for me to name drop now. When we had uh, Per Schneider on the podcast um, a a couple of months ago, Mm -hmm. he was talking about uh, Kolsch and it has to be brewed, in order to be qualified as one of those, it has to be brewed within uh, sight of the spire of Cologne Cathedral in Germany and if if you can't see the cathedral from your brewery then it can't be counted as one right just, so just, so, I that, like that,
1: that. so i guess that kind of makes it really unique like you can't really rip that off you can't make your own version of it it's super super mm. specific right and i i think we're seeing you know, at least at least in Canada, or where I'm and where David is, like, there's there's a lot of um, kind of craft breweries popping up. Ben, you you brought a bunch of craft beers. It sounds like it's the same for you. Like, it's it's this huge industry, and now uh, maybe people can't make a beer like that, you know, with like a very very strict parameters, but they can mm. do their own. They can do their own twist on the flavors or the the creation of the beer, or the I guess the whole process of it, right? So it's it's really neat to see.
2: Yeah, it's cool.
0: That's yeah, like the Belgian abbey beers I drink a lot of those and the, they have to be made in the abbeys that in in Belgium to be called mm. the So it's yeah it's pretty pretty I know the uh the Germans are pretty strict on their beer too on on how it's they got the purity laws about how like the type of water that can be used and stuff so
2: yeah all very scientific
0: Yeah exactly it's probably time that we get into the topic of the night and that is bastion so this is the first game by Supergiant games uh it was i believe two months ago that we played transistor which i think was uh, a little bit more leaning towards the rpg this is uh, a little bit more of an action adventure but it still has those rpg elements of um they're not leveling up per se like the character doesn't level up but there's uh upgrades in the weapons and the, the abilities and that sort of thing so just to, to give a little bit of history about Supergiant, so it was formed uh, in 2009 uh, by Amir Rao and Gavin Simon in 2009. Uh, so these were uh, a pair that were working for EA uh, at the time and in Los Angeles. Um, they were uh, working on the Command and Conquer series, which, uh, funnily enough, is making a comeback now with the uh, the remaster. I'm actually thinking about picking that up.
1: Yeah, I'd like to play that too. And it's funny that that's such a departure from the games that they, I feel like it's such a departure from the games they make now, right? Real-time strategy to action RPGs aren't necessarily a lot of uh, uh, overlap between those two types of uh, games.
0: Yeah, exactly. And so this was the first, Transistor was their second, uh, that was in 2013. Uh, and I have not played the latest two, which is uh, Pyre, which is 2016. So Pyre actually went a different route, though. It's it's a two 2D, 2D game. And then, uh, Hades, uh, hit early access on the Epic game store when, like when Epic, uh, launched their store at the end of 2018. Um, so we, we've taken, uh, we've now played the first, first two of, uh, their four games. So, um, and even, even playing two, it's pretty clear that they, they have a very, uh, style and very distinct and unique style that you can kind of be able to, to catch very quickly <laughs> when you well as soon as you start playing one and you or after you've played one and you start playing the other, you quickly realise how they, like they have a they have a way of making their game.
2: Yeah, it's it's quite a um a tight knit little company, isn't it? I get the sense that it's very uh you know, going back to our craft beer discussion, it feels like it's very kind of rootsy, the way that they've started the business in two thousand and nine in uh I think they started it in Amir's dad's living room. Yep. And that <laughs> yeah, and that was there. That's where they kind of conducted all their business. And because uh, I think his dad said to him, then this kind of stuck with me as quite a good bit of advice that I might pass on to my children, but start a business when you're young because then you've got time to recover if it all fails miserably, which I think is quite good. So he basically said to his son, go make some video games, use my living room. And then he did. And I think the way they attracted the rest of the team was off the sort of the cachet from command and conquer so some of the team that joined thereafter were um kind of hoping that they would get to work on something similar some kind of real-time strategy game and we kind of a bit oh oh we're not even doing that something completely different but um yeah it's an interesting story of how they've uh been what's it yeah over a decade now isn't it mm-hmm
1: if, if yeah. this, this movement from like uh, a larger studio where you're kind of a small fish in a big pond to uh, starting your own studio, wanting to, you know, branch out, uh, you know, develop your creativity, put out put your ideas into practice, right? Like, I, I think we see this a lot. I mean, the, the story of Supergiant's uh, success is, is obviously a notable one. I think people really like their games, um, mm. but... There for I think for as many company for as many people as we see you know leave some we leave somewhere like Electronic Arts or Konami or Capcom or wherever, and maybe maybe they don't do as well or maybe they they don't have the same kind of success as supergiant does like it's 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 tough you know it's tough to kind of get out there make your own product they were able to bring people over and it's a success story, but we we don't always see this right they are obviously they were taking a big risk and it paid off,
2: yeah yeah we only hear about the successful ones right it's there must be for every supergiant there must be dozens of others that don't quite make the cut but there i i'm just amazed at their hit rate i mean if you look at the first three releases you know bastion transistor and then pyre they've all been very very kind of highly regarded critically all sold very well i think average averaging about 87 on metacritic as a, as a company. Yeah. Which, you know, obviously metacritic take it or leave it, but it, it gives you an indication of the standard and I can't think of another indie developer at least that's had that sort of hit rate straight out of the gate with their first three releases. It's um that in itself is impressive. Hey?
1: Yeah, and they're doing they're doing a smart thing by not trying to release too many games. I think right, like it's three hmm. or four years basically between releases. Uh, I know Hades, their the latest game came out in twenty eighteen in early access, but I don't know if, if it's f- been fully released yet or if it's been uh, ported to other consoles yet. They might still be working on that. But they're they're clearly uh, a company that pays attention to d- small details and you know really kind of irons out all the kinks before uh, shipping their game. So I uh, really appreciate that about them as
2: well. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's that's the reason they've given for Pyre not being ported to Switch yet, for mm-hmm. example. Because I know when when the first two came to Switch, that was the you know that was the next question on everyone's lips. Cool. Well, when is Pyre going to come out? But they they basically said, look, we are a small company. We're pooling all our resources into developing Hades. Um, so you know, it's basically it's not that simple. Mm-hmm. We can't we can't justify doing a port when we're working on this game that we're all deeply invested in and loving it must be very difficult to go back to an old game just to i suppose that's the benefit of being an indie is you you're not solely driven by commercial decisions like that you can't actually say no we we want to work on this we can't we're not just going to do that just because it's going to make us a bucket load of money which yeah, yeah and i think
1: them. i think you're right ben i think tied to that is the idea that they port my understanding is they ported bastion and transistor to switch on their own they didn't want to farm it out so mm. there's something there's something about wanting to maybe keep everything in-house and yeah they could probably hire a studio to put pyre on switch but there's no guarantee that it's going to meet their standards or you know it, or you know release or perform the way that they want so uh, you know, kudos to them for wanting everything to be at this certain super giant level. And if, if they can't get that, or if they're focused on something else, they're not going to split their resources. That like you said they're working on Hades right now. They're not going to split that to kind of get a quick cash in with Pyre on Switch. I, I don't think that the door is closed on that, but it no. might be. It might they're 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 maybe doing the smart thing of a, of a smaller team, uh, f- doing one project at a time. I guess. Yeah, I respect
0: yeah. that. Ben, what what was your overall impression of Bastion as a as a game?
2: Yeah, I um, I first played it. I think what was it? Maybe the beginning of twenty nineteen. So yeah, over a year ago, I think. Um, and I I really enjoyed it. I I kind of I didn't really even put two and two together that it was an RPG to start with because it's it's quite light on the RPG elements, isn't it? it's yeah. um yeah
0: more of an action adventure i would say like i think yeah it exactly. more towards that
2: yeah and then it was only at the point where i started realizing oh i'm actually you know i'm i've just got some passive buffs or i'm, I'm actually upgrading my weapon like oh they've, they kind of slipped slipped the rpg under the rug and <laughs> yeah. kind of um smuggled <laughs> yeah. it in so I, I ended up playing it and then realizing it was an rpg um but yeah i i left uh loving it and um raving about it to anyone that asks because it's one of those that's um frequently on sale on the eShop along with Transistor. Um and whenever it comes up I just say look you need to get this I think it's an essential title uh for the Switch. I think pricing-wise I mean it's currently on sale as at the time of recording It's sale too. It's like
1: yeah.
0: 80 yeah. or 75 or 80% off. It's only a couple it, of bucks.
2: Exactly. I think it's it's 2.99 uh, in the US until June 17th and then uh, over here in the UK, it's two pound nineteen until the fourteenth of June. So, um, it's, you know, at that price, it's it's less than Jordan's ridiculous Starbucks coffee. Oh, you could you <laughs> can know. buy the
1: whole super giant lineup for, the, for less than the price of my coffee.
2: <laughs> exactly. Yeah, because Transistor is um, on quite a deep discount as well, isn't it? That's about yeah, three. Yeah, they, they three usually pound.
1: pair them off, and it's about it's about the same discount, maybe a slightly different price, but mm. yeah, it's a good deal for sure. Yeah. And How
0: about you, Jordan? This was uh, your first go at Bastion, right?
1: It was, and I, I kind of regret not playing it when it first came out. I think the I think the impact might on me might have been greater. Um, I really like Transistor. I think I prefer that one. Just I prefer that that RPG style, uh, and I prefer that setting. Um, that said, uh, I my first impression of Bastion was that this is a really good game. Like it's well made. There's no there's nothing that sticks out to me as something that doesn't work. Um, I I just felt through and through it, it it's solid. It's fun. Um, accessible easy to get into uh i really i really like the art style uh i think you know something we recognize about super giant is that art is kind of paramount to their uh creative process right that they they want a striking kind of storybook visual style uh bastion has you know everything is super colorful like you you literally see a, spe- a spectrum of colors on every stage it's amazing um i I found some elements of it repetitive i I think the enemy variety is a little lacking, uh, but it was still a very strong overall impression. I really liked that um, there's kind of a twist about halfway through when you think oh you've solved you've solved obviously it's too early to have done so, but you feel like you've solved the the problem, the main problem, you've kind of repaired the bastion and then you realize that uh um there's gonna there's about half uh half half a game left to play. Uh, but yeah, I, I really enjoyed it. I, I'm I'm glad I had the chance to. Um, and again, at three dollars, you know, you you absolutely can't go wrong with either game. They're 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 definitely well worth playing.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, say, you, I kind of felt the same. It was uh, this is my first time playing it. It it is kind of odd playing Bastion after Transistor, and I think I I'm with you where I I think I prefer Transistor because just with the moves, the move set, and the uh, setting, I I think I just prefer Transistor, a bit. But Bastion, yeah, it was a it was a wonderful game. I they won me over right away when I first entered the distillery, and like any game that has a pub with, <laughs> yes. with drinks that I can set up and take, and you know, they they got me hooked. But it's built, um, it's
1: built for the podcast for sure.
2: Yeah,
0: exactly. And yeah, like it, the way that they put, like Ben said, the way that they do the RPG elements is pretty sneaky in the sense that like you're you're finding it's all in the weapons, really, and the and the buffs, like finding uh the different um weapons throughout the world and then adding them to your uh armory and then finding the different um i guess like artifacts that allow you to upgrade those those same weapons to give them extra um like the my favorite weapon i will get to it but i'll just tease it with my favorite weapon was the machete and i loved how (laughs) when you you could find upgrades to to increase the amount of, like, machetes that get thrown when you throw it at an enemy and stuff. And, um, yeah, I just uh, enjoyed a lot of that. And uh, I guess the... Uh, you're totally right with the the artwork. And I loved how the music was very much... Like, it was clear that the... I think the composer must have been working with them in sync because it, it just feels like the music is very part of the narrative. Uh, like, times, like, times where you're supposed to feel anxious or things are happening like you feel it in the music like when it starts to speed up and that stuff and i love when when music is so heavily involved in the process and and just adds to the kind of overall environment and uh yeah just it's it's a fun i guess my only my only criticism would probably be that the the levels might feel a little claustrophobic because you're kind of on for the most part you're you're going through paths and the uh so you'd you'd be on like a narrow path and then you kind of get to a spot that opens up and you're like okay well this is obviously where we're going to get into a big fight because there's like this little arena kind of area and then you get back on the path um so it might have felt a little small that way but it was still uh an enjoyable experience
1: yeah there's there's something there's something kind of in the the nature of the game as a a fairy tale or a a storybook right the the way that the paths kind of build as you walk like it's mm. obviously not a game geared towards children, but you can imagine this world just being slightly tweaked and being one that, you know, uh, it would be centered around like a nursery rhyme or a lullaby or something like that. Right. It is is very fantastical and whimsical and charming. And I, I I think the way that the levels build out is really interesting. Actually, I like that. You don't know. Uh, from the beginning of a stage to the end, you don't know where it's going to take you or what exactly it's going to look like at the end. So there's that, especially some of the the later stages, there's the one where you're riding on the ships or the ones where you're kind of going through the grass areas and you can't see everything. Like I, mm. I really appreciated the uh, design of those stages because it was very different from what had come before. Um, I almost, I was almost hoping to see a little bit more of that. By the time I was starting to see some of those more interesting stages, I feel like the game was ready to wrap up. Um, obviously, obviously, the, the story or the kind of moral, the lesson of the game is uh, more, a little bit more um, uh, adult themed or mature themed, I guess. So th- th- that works against the storybook style as well. But there's th- th- I guess there's that interesting disconnect between uh, this fantasy world and the more serious questions or, or uh, uh, theories or philo- philosophies that are kind of being exchanged in the game as well. Like, it really does make you think, uh, especially mm-hmm. by the end.
2: Mm-hmm. i think w- w- your point there jordan about the um you know the path kind of unfolding in front of you i think that's quite a, a quite a clever storytelling device as well because they've you know that it's almost like the story and the gameplay are completely interwoven in uh, much the same way as something like celeste where you were mm-hmm. both literally climbing a mountain and trying to overcome you know uh, your inner demons as, as it were mm-hmm. this has got the same thing the the environment is literally falling into place in front of you as you're trying to rebuild this world. Um, and I just think that's quite a clever touch. And the whole... You know, I, I think this game feels like like a first album, like the amalgamation of everything that everybody on this game has thought of ideas-wise prior to making this in 2009. It does feel like that sort of perfect storm where they've all gone, as David said, as the the music is so tied into everything else. And narration, which I'm sure we'll get into, is just woven in the story, the gameplay, and it all just feels like it's just come together to form this very neat, very slick package. Um, and then they obviously had to go on and make Transistor a couple of years after that, which, as, as legend has it, was much more challenging for them. Because they've, you know, they've expended all of their their ideas on their on their first on their first album. (laughs) Then they have to make their tricky uh, sophomore record. So, um, but yeah, as Bastion stands as that kind of, you know, that culmination of all of their ideas coming to fruition at the same time. And I think it's it's quite special for that.
1: There's there's also the the direct the narrator who's actually directing all of the action as you go, and the way that he describes. Uh, the the actions that you're taking, and if you do something foolish, or if you if you fall off, or something, or you 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 strike an enemy, you pick something up. Like everything is narrated, I guess in a unique way. Like I think we're 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 used to stories kind of happening, and then and we just we just read them, we just absorb them. But this one, like you are actually participating in the telling of that story, not just through uh, walking forward and the path kind of unfurling uh, underneath you, but the narrator literally narrating your steps as you take them right it's very much kind of uh another thing that's intertwined is the the narrator describing what you're doing and and adding all the flavor text that kind of makes the story interesting uh but then there's the the actions you're taking as far as gameplay is concerned again just another thing that works really well hand in hand and in bastion
2: the other point of the narration obviously rightly it gets a lot of attention when people talk about this game but i think Mm -hmm. um the other part of it, it cuts out a lot of reading that you would ordinarily do yes, <laughs> in an RPG. Yes. That's, that you that's know, the because point. the story's told as you're going through it. It's not like, okay, we need to stop here, read a few paragraphs. You know, it's it's completely reactive to what's going on in the world. So I think again, that that's why this feels like a a very sort of taut kind of RPG light almost because it's it's condensed so much in that way. Mm.
0: Yeah, and the, the the voice actor that we're talking about, uh, Logan Cunningham. So th- he's actually been in all of the all of the games. He's a, a pillar of of the supergiant games, and um, it's it it's very the the way that it that he, the voice actors utilize is very it's similar tra- to Transistor, but different. Where Transistor seemed like um, I guess the the voice was coming from the sword, like it was he was kind of with you at the time, where the the voice it it still feels like you have a companion explaining the story to you as you're going and it kind of like you said kind of fills in the gaps of like when you're walking instead of stopping and reading you're you're being told it as you walk when there's nothing happening and how the the story um so in, in in both cases like you're coming you're you're really coming in like halfway through a story something's already happened and so you're you're kind of finishing like you're playing out like from halfway point to the end of the story at while at the same time learning everything before it Mm -hmm. Uh, and I think that's an interesting structure of of kind of condensing like a very big managing to get this very big story into a smaller playtime.
1: Mm-hmm. yeah transistor does something similar right like you you do kind of come into in the middle of that story as well, but it doesn't i don't think it does as effective a job as narrating the the backstory. you do have to actually read the panels in the world you have to kind of discover a little bit about what's happened in the world of transistor whereas I think almost everything that you need to Get a full picture of what's happened in the world of Bastion is given to you through the narration. So there's, I think they, I don't know, it's just very tight, it's very focused, and it's very uh, seamless. I guess might be a right the right word. Whereas in Transistor, yeah. you have to work for it a little bit more. There's a little bit more to decipher, I think. Uh, and in Bastion, it's kind of just it's presented as part of the gameplay experience, and that works really well, I think.
2: The um apparently the inspiration behind the the accent for for the narrator was um from Deadwood. They were watching a lot of Deadwood oh, yes, before yes, before okay. they went into production with Bastion yeah. and apparently Ian McShane's voice was the inspiration. So uh, a, great, a great a great English actor there.
1: Yeah, no. and he's he's yeah. excellent. He's I mean Ian McShane's excellent in everything you've seen him in. Uh, it was mm. what was the, there was an Amazon show, called American Gods. He was really good in. But yeah, Deadwood that, that iconic role for him. I thought it was uh, a was, was a good one. And that's interesting to hear because now if you hear Logan Cunningham's voice from Bastion, yeah, yeah, I, I can do I can do I can hear the similarity between those two. That's pretty cool. Yeah.
2: Not ready to do the accent that yet though, Jordan? No, no. no. Uh, now, I need to, now, cause n- now you've complicated it for me because now I need, to throw,
1: I need to consider how Ian McShane is going to work into this. So I'm, I'm in big trouble now.
2: <laughs> but if you hear um, Logan Cunningham speak in real life, it sounds nothing like he does in this game.
1: Oh, right. Okay. It's amazing.
2: Yeah. yeah so, you know, he, he genuinely is acting. It's not some, you know, withered old guy that's smoked 50 cigars his entire life. Yeah. Um, <laughs> It's, it's it makes sense because he goes.
0: It it feels like he's going really deep to to get that to get that over. Yeah, mm.
1: it's it's very it's very gritty. I think is a good word for it. It's gritty. It mm. it's, it's it's seasoned or weathered. You know, it feels like someone who has really been you know in the trenches of war and the and seen 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 a lot of shit. You know, that kind of guy, right? Mm. Like, and so he's very uh, uh, maybe burned or scorned by everything that's happened before. And yeah, so Logan does a really good job there.
0: Yeah, it reminds me of uh, the voice actor for uh, Geralt.
1: Mm, yeah, yeah. Do we do we know who that is? I, I wanna. I'm kind of. I was trying to. I was
0: trying to Google that.
1: <laughs> Doug Cockle. I don't know what he what else he has done, but now. Uh, oh we're, yeah, we're, yeah. We're that's down, right. We're going down the ra- the rabbit hole here. So. Yeah.
0: He's also done Victor Vran. I don't know if you guys have played that one.
2: Ah, oh, right. No, I haven't I, played it. I know, I know the
0: name. Better. Yeah, but yeah, it's it's the same style, kind of like the deeper yeah that that gritty sound like uh, they're kind of they're obviously not the same but on in in the same neighborhood i guess i say.
1: mean it's even more than logan cunningham i would say uh doug cockle in, in with his uh Geralt voice
0: but uh to transition well to stay on the sound i guess the i we should mention about uh darren korb the uh composer for the game so he was actually a childhood friend of Amir. that's that's how he ended up mm. uh Knowing, knowing Amir, and they brought him on board when they decided to start their own, um, their own game, and yeah, like like we mentioned, I just think the in both in all the in the two games I played of Super Giant, the music has definitely uh, increased the the immersion into the the story and and the action.
1: So something I noticed about trying to go, I, I went back to both soundtracks and just kind of listening to them on my own uh when i was driving and i think something is lost with these soundtracks and these games when you don't pair them together i feel like the they work so well with the environments and the visuals you're seeing in the game you're playing that when it's not that the music isn't good on its own it's that it doesn't feel as meaningful or doesn't feel as kind of I don't know what the word is. Like it just mm, well, the I, the context
0: I, is gone. I guess.
1: Yeah, and without that context, I feel like I, I'm I'm losing some of that that enjoyment of the music. I, I feel like I if I hear it, I want to be playing that game at the same time. Like I and I had I was using. I don't always use headphones, but I did for uh, for Transistor and for Bastion, just because I, I do feel like it was one of those games where you really want to lose yourself in the full sensory experience with these games.
2: Yeah, it makes it makes sense that the music would have less impact. It's the same as if you took the music away from the game i think the game would be feel a little bit lifeless wouldn't it without Mm -hmm. without this music backing it but um to be honest i i slightly disagree uh with the your take on the music i it's these are both albums that i listen to as if they were just music albums that weren't uh game soundtracks i haven't played transistor yet it's still one of my favorite albums uh, and i will get around to playing it uh, one day and and then i think the music will take on that extra meaning that you're talking about jordan but i think it sounds like uh, to me it doesn't feel like video game music it feels like they've gone out to make songs and then and fitted and you know created those songs around the narrative and everything else um and created the and added to the feeling that you know it's a very the world in bastion kind of you know does it is it set in is it based on kind of the the wild west because certainly like Rux, his accent it lends itself to that a little bit and obviously the uh the country and western style guitar in a lot of the songs but then you've got these kind of industrial um you know sort of mechanical modern sounding percussion elements to the music as well yeah a little bit of uh,
1: steampunk influence in yeah. there I think, right yeah
2: and there's even some kind of i don't know if it's like a indian sitar coming in as well that gives it a kind yes, of um, yes. you know it's kind of got an east meets west feel about it um and it's modern and yet quite old-timey at the same time so this is it's, it's a kind of strange fusion of different musical elements but somehow it still remains cohesive um and completely original which is yeah again very impressive i think
0: yeah the, the western uh, makes sense too because when you there's so in so many of the levels, there's like my uh, carts of coal and stuff like the mine carts yes, from like yes, the old West. True. And mm. uh, a lot of the weapons are very have kind of a Western uh, Western feel to them as well. And, um the like the six shooters, the dual six shooters
1: mm-hmm.
0: and uh, the um, the musket. Uh, yeah, the musket. Yeah. Yeah. And kind of the machete, machete to a certain degree, too, is, uh, you know, kind of a. An outdoorsman, I guess. Maybe not necessarily the uh, Western theme, but kind of still that that old style outdoorsman kind of attitude, I guess. Like, uh-huh. uh, yeah, like mm. the, uh, th- there's a lot of Western influence for sure. Kind of like the late 1800 sort of uh, aesthetic.
1: Yeah. What uh, so, David? I know you mentioned that you really liked uh, the machetes, uh, Ben. What what weapons did you gravitate towards?
2: Um, I. Kept it simple. I, I think I gravitated towards the hammer. Yeah, that's the one. I think it's the first weapon you get, isn't it? It but is. I just, yeah. It's. Yep. I. It. For me, it was the most satisfying <laughs> melee yeah, weapon, at yeah. least. <laughs> uh, and then for the more ranged attacks, I think I kind of vacillated between the bow and the flamethrower because flamethrowers are always fun. Yeah. Um. Yep. But the other element is with the weaponry is obviously the your kind of special attack as well. Did mm-hmm. you get? um and for that so you, yeah when you go around you can obviously collect the the health tonics and then the i think it's called the black tonic yeah black like tonic that, that's right yeah. which gives yep. you one use of your special attack as it were um and the one i like the most was the um the little the little guys that oh, kind of uh, yeah i, I think i, I think i used the exact squirts, same one the, yeah, the, the, the squirt lord yeah the that's squirt. it yeah. yeah and it's basically an, an enemy that that's got you know little love hearts coming off it to show that it's on your team and it just yeah. goes around to uh, killing all the other enemies for you so that's, yeah, yep. that's, Enjoyed that. yeah
1: that, that's the exact same one i used ben i like the idea in an action rpg of uh, you know, maybe a lots of different games of having like a partner character that kind of uh mm. either takes damage or distracts the enemies you know it, it's like having a little drone or a little buddy along with you like i, I like that that concept so i use that a lot um And because of that, I didn't find the black tonics all that useful. Because I would, I would kind of summon the little squirt, and he would follow Mm. me around. And I I, I guess I don't know he or it. I suppose was just kind of like hanging around and like distracting enemies. But I I never really lost it. Like I feel like it stayed around a long time. I don't know how effective it was, but at the very least, I didn't feel like I was ever lacking for the black (laughs) tonics. The, The game does a really good job of. Maintaining momentum because you even if you feel like you're running low on health, you're gonna get a, a health tonic pickup really soon. Like you, you, you aren't. I don't think you're meant or conditioned to play very patiently I think you are meant to kind of you know go balls to the wall like 100% hundred ten percent when mm. you're attacking and then I guess depending yep. on your weapon right but I use the hammer as well and I never felt like I needed to attack and then retreat attack and retreat I, I kept just pressing the attack and so I think that uh, lent a good sense of momentum to the game like I it's an action RPG with a capital A right like you yeah it's not one of those games I, 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 I dislike action RPGs where you're constantly having to wait for something to replenish or you have to go and seek out health before you can go back and fight an enemy like i I just i'm not really into that like if i think about something like diablo 3 like when it went into really embracing the action rpg style uh it it made potions less of a focus and made it so that as you were playing through the dungeons you would get health pickups from enemies really constantly and bastion Mm. does a really good job of that you're constantly getting health back i think about some of the final boss fights like Every, every 30 seconds or so, as long as you keep pounding away, you're going to get a health tonic back and you're going to be okay. Even if it seems a little bit tense with your health going down, they it, it felt like maybe the timing was really good. Like you would you'd be really close to needing a health tonic and then one would pop out. You just got to run over and grab it and then it would, it would it actually use them. Uh, I think it used some of them automatically as well if you had like a full, uh, a full set of three or something like that. So um, yeah, yeah, I, I just like the way that the game handled it's healing and restorative mechanics um even if the black tonics to me like it was it's a cool idea but i, I just i never found a, a lot of use for them with the the abilities i was taking anyways
2: yeah. yeah i never felt at any point oh no i haven't got any black tonics left you yeah know, there exactly, was never exactly and, and, and i think that to be honest it's it's not the most difficult game in the world i think no, that's fair to no, say it's, it's uh no <laughs> it's, it's a bit of a breeze to get through um and i'm actually playing through new game plus at the moment and i've carried over all my weapons and my uh xp and everything and i'm just mowing through the levels now it's uh you know it's well, the it's, the chapel too easy.
0: is is the chapel is really or i don't know it's not the chapel like the the version of the chapel where where you can turn on the gods that's kind of where the difficulty yeah. comes in i guess mm-hmm, mm-hmm. like exactly, where they can, they have yeah. kind of yeah a base, a base they have that base difficulty which is pretty easy but then you can make it harder on yourself and, and then you it'll help you like grow faster because you get there's like boosts that it gives it's it's kind of like risk versus reward like you can make the game harder to get more stuff mm.
2: um or yeah, you can so, just kind of go the way it is as jordan was saying there so you can actually i think there's one of the idols makes it so that the enemies don't drop um health pickups <laughs> that's right yes so yeah you know yeah. and that and you take that at you know, if you take that away and then you get 25% extra XP, for example. Um, but it, in fact, interesting you mentioned the idols because that's, that's the only place where I've noticed any kind of technical hiccup with this game because mm, it, okay. it runs really smoothly as you would hope a game from 2009 would. Um, but when you're uh, either selecting or deselecting one of the idols to use, says the name of the idol and then as if it's about to go into an explanation of what it does it cuts out very abruptly mm, so yeah. it'll say the name of it and then go and then just stop dead <laughs> or for every for every single one and you're yeah. like well nah, that's that, they've left a little bit of rough around the edges uh in some of the places but yeah be interested to see if you guys experience the same thing if you maybe maybe
1: their play play testing of this version ben no one actually chose to use any of the idols so they (laughs) they rejected. like i (laughs) i I feel like though like transistor has something like that as well where you can make the game harder if you want to for some extra reward so maybe this is kind of a Mm. a signature of the super giant game style but um yeah it's not my favorite element in 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 games is when you have optional I'm not against optional difficulty, but get me don't get me wrong. Like I love accessibility options, but I I, I guess I kind of prefer when the you just I want the, like the normal difficulty. I hope it gives me a little bit of challenge. Uh, I, I I'm I'm happy that people can kind of adapt that to their own style. But yeah, you're right. I mean, this is definitely a game that is expecting to be played multiple times There's a new game plus there's a there's mm. leaderboards i think i don't know if there's there's time trials or something like that but you you are meant to or you are encouraged to play this game uh or at least different elements of it many times right like you think about the um not not every weapon in the game has its own kind of uh trial stage or practice stage where you can yeah. complete a little trial with the weapons to uh unlock uh special uh, items or uh, unlock boosts that you can use for those weapons to improve them um mm. some of those are really tough actually like you there's three different levels depending on the score that you get with each weapon um I think I only got a like the one star, the first place uh, prize. I think I only got that once out of maybe five or six weapons that I did, and, and I tried them a couple times. Like they're 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 interesting and uh, I guess unique challenges that again is another way of maybe an optional difficulty, right? You don't you certainly don't have to do those, but the the bonuses I thought to improve your weapons were worthwhile.
2: Yeah, exactly. I, I actually tried one. You know, you you've got these horde. Kind of waves of enemies that you can take on. And uh, I tried one last night with probably about three quarters of the idols turned on, (laughs) thinking, oh, (laughs) well, okay, this should balance things out. I should be able to have a fair fight with these guys. And I, yeah, I backed out of that very quickly. I can tell you. It was, yeah, it was borderline impossible. But but yeah, I I think one, just as we're talking about weapons, um, another minor kind of it's not really a criticism, just a niggle that I had. Was when you pick up a new weapon, you're stuck with that weapon for the rest of the level. Yeah, unless Until there's unless there's, a place, place unless there's an arsenal yeah. or armory. Yeah. yeah, yeah.
0: I had the same um, the same uh, issue too.
2: Yeah, no, I didn't that,
0: like that as much.
2: That bothered me. So you know, I'm having a whale of a time just going around bashing stuff with my hammer, and then I just get lumbered with you know pathetic little pea shooter of a pistol, and it's kind of like ugh. That's made the rest of the level annoying. Yeah, it would have
1: been nice if they could have just like left it on the ground, uh, the item that you discarded and you could pick that up again and just keep, mm. keep having that one. But I you know, I I guess it it, it does force you to try the new weapon. So I, I kind of see the uh the, the, the impetus or I see the reasoning behind that, even if it is a little bit mm, maybe player unfriendly to to force you to use something if you're if you're not uh, if not ready to go. I mean, if the game were really hard And they forced you to switch weapons at the beginning of the stage, even though you'd powered up your previous one, I think it'd be more of a more of an issue. But uh, I I was gonna say there's one other thing. You you really only switch one of your weapons, right? You switch Mm -hmm. either your your melee weapon or your ranged weapon. I don't think there was ever an opportunity or an instance where you switch both of them so they don't take away that full comfort from you they just take away one of your kind of comforting tools or one of your uh, weapons that you're familiar with so they i think they implement it in in an okay way but i i, I mean i'm with you too guys i, I agree yeah. it was a little bit annoying
0: the one uh to their credit the one thing they do though is that the the weapon that they make you like I always worried, I, ha- I always pick them up because I'm like, well, if I don't pick them up, does that mean I don't get it later? I <laughs> yes, yes, yes. I want to take it back, so I'm going to pick it up. Um, but the one thing that they do do is that the the weapon you pick up is useful for the enemies that are you're about to run into. That's true. Uh, yes. Like, I think of, like, the the flamethrower, like, I almost didn't want to pick up the flamethrower at the time because I'm like, well, these are my two favorite weapons. I, I think, um, add the machete and, uh uh, I had the, uh, I think it was the sniper rifle at the time, p- potentially, which I really liked, and uh, I was like, ah, I'm, I bet you I'm going to need this. And the that that flamethrower was actually quite useful for taking out like the enemies that were that were about to come. Um, so I mean it, it's deep. And then it's the same when I picked up the uh, the sniper rifle. Like they yes. they had enemies that easily were defeated by the sniper rifle. So, the, I I didn't always enjoy using the weapons, but they were at least useful.
1: Yeah, for sure. They 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 design the stages, uh, at least the part of the stage where you find the new weapon is meant to highlight why that weapon is useful to you, right? Like the flamethrower is used to burn down all the grass. The sniper rifle lets you hit those towers, uh the mm. turrets that are kind of like too far away for your uh your musket or for some of your other weapons to to hit accurately. So, um yeah, no again, it it's it's not a maybe not a perfect implementation, but uh, you can see what they're doing. You see what they're trying to do there. Yeah. Should we should we talk a little bit about the story? Like, what what did you guys think of the the story? And uh, you know, maybe some light spoilers here. Like, I think we should talk about the ending because you you're presented with a with a, a very interesting choice. I think so. Well, I think hmm. we can tell people listening if you haven't played yet, we are going to talk about the ending here for at least the next ten minutes or so. So, Ben, what, what did you yeah, think of very... the the story and then the the choice at the end?
2: Yeah, I, I kind of there's a bit of chicanery in the story isn't there because it it starts off very simple yeah uh, and you're just picking up fragments of story either from items that you're bringing back or uh just from from rux just recounting stuff as you go along but i think yeah when you start meeting the other characters is it zolf and i can't remember the the girl's name that you bring back to the Uh, zia zia that's the one yeah um and yep. that's when the story and you start learning about the Ura and that you're kind of, you know, there was a kind of a war, almost a cold war between two different countries. And um, th- th- it really adds quite a few layers of depth to the point where, you know, there's, uh, and now we are getting into spoilers, but there's there's a point where Zolf appears to kind of turn on you because, you know, and go back to his country and then you're mm-hmm. faced with a choice of what to do. With him at the end, yeah, do you right. rest? Do you rescue him, or do you leave him and save yourself? Um, which, again, I, I don't think it was something. I think when I first started playing this game, it it just seemed very action heavy, and because the story was just almost uh, you know environmental in the way it was being told, mm-hmm. it, it 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 didn't appear to be much about the story. But by the end of it, when you're faced with that choice, first about Zolf, and then the big choice of whether you should you know turn back time or kind of stay and rebuild for the future uh, you know that that's kind of big weighty decisions even though i don't i didn't feel that they had a much kind of emotional resonance with yeah. me I, I wasn't really that bothered <laughs> about about the characters if i'm being honest <laughs> i mean I it's feel... t- it's
1: tough it's tough in like a 6 to 8 hour game to hmm. set up a world and tell a story that will have this big emotional payoff, no matter what the decision is at the end. Um, there's also not much after you make those choices that is all that all that emotionally resonant or all that emotionally powerful. Like I, I do think the moment when you choose, if and I, I did this, if you choose to save Zulf and you're carrying him through kind of this this uh, these narrow corridors where mm-hmm. you're surrounded by enemies that are just sniping at you and they're just shooting you, right? And you, you can't, you can't die. But the idea of just being bombarded by these people as you're kind of you you're, you're 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 working to save someone that you thought was bad, right? It is a it's an impactful scene, but yeah. I just don't know that there's the payoff afterwards, right? Like you you have the gameplay moment that is um, very interesting and very maybe thought provoking, but then after it, I don't. And this goes hand in hand with the final choice you make. Uh, I don't know that either of those pay off. Uh, afterwards, right? I think that it's interesting to make those decisions and see what happens in the moment, but then after it, in the ending and the credits and everything, I I feel like you don't get as much of that story payoff. I would have liked to see like, you know, maybe a five minute scene with the characters and uh, there's a little bit of uh, a difference depending on with the choices you made. There wasn't really anything like that. Just a few uh, still shots of the characters kind of like looking at a different type of world based on whether you decide to rebuild or uh, or, or you restart everything from scratch i don't know but yeah. yeah it didn't
2: feel like there was any kind of weight any consequence to what you were deciding i think i probably made the decision within about 10 seconds well yeah obviously yeah, obviously, here. i'm a good person so i'm gonna save <laughs> zolf and, <laughs> yeah, exactly. and that was as simple as that whereas you know something like i don't know fire emblem three houses where you're you know you have to make a decision that massively impacts the, half of the characters that you've just uh you know, grown to love, yes, and yes. then impacts the remainder of the story. Things like that, you know, you, I, you know, I probably pondered over that for like an hour and just sat thinking, hmm, which which way should I go here?
1: Well, you think, about, this? think about Fire yeah. Emblem band like that. That's it's a, it's a really good example to bring up because it's one of those games where you are conditioned to get really attached to the characters, right? It does so much in that genre, like all the the support conversations, the the way that you kind of strengthen and raise up the mm. skills of different characters. Like you are. all of the mechanics in the game are meant to get you to a form an attachment with characters but i don't know that the you form the same type of it you you obviously don't form the same type of attachment with the characters in this game right the the protagonist is basically nameless and doesn't say anything like all of the narration comes from one person basically so uh, if anything rux is the only person i i felt much of a connection to actually
2: yeah yeah i think um yeah i just i wanted to ask you guys having played both this and Transistor now, which which of them had more of an emotional resonance? Because I I get the impression Transistor tugs on the heartstrings more because it's kind of a more of a love story, and I, I know yeah. certainly from the soundtrack, there's a lot more vocals in the soundtrack, which I'm kind of inferring some meaning from as well. But I don't know. Mm-hmm. what, well, what the, would the, you the say? Main, is... The
1: main character it, it was a singer, right? So it, it, mm. it works well with that soundtrack. There, I think they're kind of hitting on that. But yeah, David, why don't you go?
0: Well, the I think with Bastion the most impactful or emotional part of the story I think was in the Black Cauldron fight where you're uh like you you eat eat from Zia's cauldron and then you end up in the the waves of like I think it's like twenty waves of enemies. Yeah, they're tough. And 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 you're learning the the backstory of what happened with Zolf and Zia while you're fighting that. Like to me that was that that was probably the most impactful because like, the story itself was kind of hard to hear because, like, you feel bad for what happened with, with the characters. But then, but at the same time, it's also stressful because you're trying to not die. Yeah. <laughs> um. So, I, but between Transistor and Bastion, like, I, pro- I probably, they're a bit different, so it's kind of hard to compare, but I think that Transistor probably had a little bit more emotional. Like, it just, it even starts off, like, pulling the, The sword out of the chest of the character and stuff Mm. like right off the bat um and you can and you can kind of you like you feel the singer's pain like throughout the story and stuff so it's i think you're you're definitely more i think you're closer to the to the singer and transistor than to the unnamed protagonist here i think
1: yeah, so I think that's that's exactly it, David. Like you, you have the same kind of narration going on, the narration style uh, in the two games. But in Transistor, I feel like the main character you control just has more prominence in the world. She's she's lost her voice, right? Like, and so yeah. char- not, not only is the pretend- the uh, narrator constantly referring to you, but other other characters in the world refer to you. Things you read in the environment refer to you. Like you, you recognize that the character you're playing as was actually very very important in this world and had a lot of fans had a lot of adoration people that loved her uh mm. and so yeah you you feel you feel her loss you feel her pain but the protagonist in bastion like i I don't think you you get really any emotional connection to him it, it's all about the world and the two different races and the war that happened but your your role in playing through the game it, it's it, yeah i don't know you're almost like um uh gosh I, I can't remember the word like you're, you're a cypher or you're you're um you're kind of just standing in. You're filling in for anybody, right? Like a proxy, right? basically. Proxy yeah. is a good word, yeah. For it, ben. Yeah, you're 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 a nameless kind of face is just facilitating this whole story in this in this game, right?
2: I wonder if this has just popped into my head. I wonder if the fact that uh, the narration and Rux, in particular, the fact that he's just so cool, does that take away from emo- any kind of emotional? <laughs> you know it's it's not like he's he's not telling the story in a kind of dramatic way it's done in a like a casual observer like he's you know sitting in a pub smoking a cigar and recounting this thing that happened in the past it's i wonder if that you know imagine if the story was told oh and then he and then he got murdered and oh you know in, in more of a dramatic way, whether that would have had more effect. I don't know. So
1: maybe, maybe what it has been is the idea that it is being told from the past. If all of this stuff has already happened, he can be detached from mm. the emotional connection to it, right? Like, whereas exactly. in Transistor, the 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 sword is narrating things as you go. It's talking to you, uh, the, the girl who you play as Red. It's talking to you as those things happen, and he and the sword is kind of re- uh, recalling, you know, the, the past and you know, just talking about, you know, you can see this love between the two characters in that game. But in Bastion, the, there's nothing like that. It is it is very icy, cold, detached, and just kind of like matter-of-factly telling the story and he, he tells it and rux tells the story in a good way but mm. it's not i don't it, it doesn't feel like he is emotionally invested in it and so because he knows
2: it, it, what's already happened i guess exactly yeah and so
1: yeah. if you already know the result like he, and i think it's just the way he tells the story it, it's supposed to be it's detailed it's touched with kind of all the little things that happen to you in the game all the little actions you take but yeah there is that space between the events and how Rux is describing them—it's it, not. It doesn't feel like he is all that affected by it.
2: Mm. We've we've cracked it, lads I think this must be a first. Okay. We are the first people to <laughs> successfully critique the absolutely flawless narration. So, <laughs> in, David, in please
1: please put that in the podcast title, if not the show notes. Okay, <laughs> yeah. we've solved Bastion.
0: <laughs> yeah, that'll be the t- the title uh, title of the episode. We okay. solved Bastion. That's good.
2: Call for alcohol this evening drink up drink up drink up and order again this is the last call for alcohol
0: Get well maybe going. this is probably the perfect time to move on to last call then yeah because we've 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 uh, we've cracked the case it's We're done. We're, we're the highest
1: so. point we're possibly going to be in the episode. So it's, not, it's time <laughs> it's to go downhill. Up, <laughs> get up yeah. over ahead, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly.
0: Okay. So uh yeah, so for last call, I was thinking um uh, like I I haven't played Pyro Hades, but so I don't know exactly how much off the formula those games are, but obviously Bastion and Transistor had a very f- uh, formula to it. Like you mm-hmm. you could play it and know that this is a super giant's game. Um, there have been examples in the past where there's been like series uh, and games that where they they have their distinct feel, their distinct way that they're made, and then the publisher or developer is, uh, you know decide that it's it's time to move on like we've we've uh, ran this well dry, it's time to move on. and I'm curious uh, in your experiences do you feel like a a, a bitter disappointment when, uh, a favorite series of yours decides to move in a different direction or do you feel an excitement for what's what's to come?
1: Ben, why don't wow. you go first? I, I I have an idea I want to talk about but I'm going to try to think of some examples of it.
2: Okay, okay. well that's more than I've got but I'll try and okay. freestyle. <laughs> <laughs> you see, if
1: I talk first I can put you on the spot first. Give myself more time to look. Wow, down,
2: so. throw the guest under the bus. Thank you. I'm just, I'm um, just
1: revealing the tricks of the podcast trade here, okay? Okay. <laughs>
2: um yeah what i mean you get so used to a certain company or a certain franchise giving you uh what you want and what you're comfortable with um you know thinking of the big boys i think something like zelda jumps out as uh Mm -hmm. you know it's, it's an obvious choice but i think when they kind of completely have taken the franchise in different directions uh you know, whether it be stylistically with something like Wind Waker. And I can remember the uproar because oh, people, were, people, yeah. you know, uh, people were just absolutely losing their minds over the fact that, oh, it looks like a children's cartoon now. And we were expecting this. We, you showed this demo where it was fighting Ganon and it looked all gritty and realistic. And that's what people liked at that time. You know, when the 3D graphics had kind of. Uh, You know, they've been established. They weren't just polygonal messes anymore. Um, People wanted gritty realism. And that's what PlayStation was bringing uh, to the industry. And then Nintendo just goes, well, we're going to make this cute little cell-shaded cartoon version of your favorite uh, franchise. Um, And then they've done it again with Breath of the Wild. But I think that's, uh, you know, and even more so because they've changed so much mechanically. Uh, what what we've been used to in previous games. Um so I think no more dungeons. No more dungeons exactly. Breakable weapons, you know, uh-huh. diff- many different ways to solve uh, the shrines rather than just I need to find the hookshot and the hookshot is what's going to get me out of this puzzle. Um so things like that that you know they they do raise a few eyebrows when they change these things, but ultimately I think you know, that's that's where you kind of respect that. That's probably the the best example I can give of um, a developer just doing what the hell they want to do, not what you want them to do. And luckily for Zelda, I think it's come out uh, pretty well <laughs> as, Yes, a, yes. As, well, as a game. So that's, a, um, that's a good example of one
0: where it worked. Uh, yes. It's funny, when I was making this question and... I, I'm not going to get too deep into it cuz this might be the example that Jordan uses. Um I had uh, in my mind Mega Man because Mega Man had a very set like eight bosses, take their weapons, go like the structure of the the levels were the same and uh and now it's it's like the 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 feel of that has changed in the new Mega Mans to the point where I like I'm pretty sure some people enjoy it but I think the overall opinion is that like what are we on Mega Man twelve or thirteen now? Eleven. And eleven came
2: 11 out was the two last one. Yeah. Eleven. Yeah. And people
0: don't have the same affinity for eleven that that you know the two, three, four, five. You know all those old ones that we we remember so fondly. Mm. Like it, it's 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 where it's like okay they're changing the formula, but I don't know if the public has gone with them on this.
2: I guess I mean, the thing is though with with Mega Man. um at least it's not Sonic the Hedgehog. Because... Oh. They, <laughs> <laughs> that, well, so the that problem would, is,
1: Ban Sonic was never good, so... <laughs>
2: <laughs> no, but I, I think you, one could argue that it was better before they changed it to 3D. Oh, for that, sure. That, and then, if and I then had then to give went, an example yeah. of, a, of, a, of where a developer has changed, changed things and it's gone terribly, terribly wrong, Sonic is the one that jumps out to me.
1: Yeah. I mean, Sonic's tough because it, you... I, as soon as they made the jump back to 2D Sonic with Sonic Mania, like th- that's mm. that's when I think they really uh, found what the formula should be, right? I hope they keep making Sonic Mania games because I think it's the best one. Um, yeah. I'm not a huge fan of, of Sonic games in general, but I recognize that uh, that to me that one's a lot more fun to play than uh, any of the other ones, especially the 3D ones. Um, uh, speaking of uh, megaman wasn't gonna be my example david but i think it's a really good one because 11 which i reviewed is is very different from the original 2d games you know 8 8 obviously 7 and 8 were kind of a graphical departure uh, played a little bit differently but you know 1 to 6 and then uh, 9 and 10 like they, they were all very very similar and i think people liked that obviously when you get to like 10 entries in a series uh, a little bit of fatigue starts to uh to creep in so the, the game series I was thinking about with Shovel Knight. Um, Shovel Knight, oh, yeah. uh, I, I love the original Shovel Knight, and I-, I really enjoyed all of the expansions, by the- but by the time I finished King Knight, uh, which which just came out uh, at the end of last year, like, I-, I-, I was thinking, okay, I'm- I am I am kind of done with this. I do want to see something new. So, I, I don't know. It- it's hard to say I always want a distinct way because I-, I want more classic Mega Mans. I want more 2D Zeldas. I don't know if I'll ever get bored of 2D Zelda even if there are six or seven of them. But at the same time, like I I, I want to see something new if it's good. Like I, I know that's stu- a stupid answer. Like I, <laughs> I, I, I want them to try something new if it works. You know what I mean? Like don't do something new for the sake of doing something new. Do something new because you have an, a really good idea and you know what's going to work. I, I, I get that's a selfish kind of player-centered uh, view. I, I'm not taking into consideration like, you know, develop it, development constraints and creativity constraints. Like, I get that. But, like, yeah, I don't know. Like, I, th- there are lots of examples of games where one or two entries don't work. And yeah, the transition to 3D was a big part of that because everyone was kind mm. of experimenting, right? Like, then you have Mario 64, which made the jump seamlessly. Ocarina of Time changed up the style, but still an excellent, you know, 10 out of 10 Masterpiece type game. Um, and for every one of those, there's probably 10 that didn't make the jump very well. It's, it's tough. Like, I, I'm more of a sequel person than a distinct way. Uh, just very quickly, my example is going to be Dragon Age. Uh, Dragon Age 1, open world, traditional RPG. Uh, then they, in Dragon Age 2, it's much more action focused. The world is much more condensed. Even the story is broken up kind of into chapters. They took I think they took so much of what worked in the first game and did the opposite oh, of that, right? They, they, <laughs> yeah. they directly did awful. the opposite. Um, yeah. And I, I, I hated that part of it. The first one felt so open. It felt like the decisions you made mattered. The path you went through the game, even the, the main story was kind of the same. There's a lot of side stuff you could do that was that was meaningful. And then in the second game, it, it all just felt like a kind of a race to the finish, you know, and the, there was the time skipping and all this other crap. And like, I don't think Inquisition. Inquisition had its own problems, but I'm really looking forward to. And maybe we're missing it right now as they as the Sony PlayStation events going PlayStation Five events going on. Yep. I want Dragon Age Four to go back to the open style, the not just narratively open, but the open world uh, uh, elements of the first game. I'd really like to see that. So uh, hmm. my answer to your question is I don't know. Like, am I just? I'm, I'm just I'm, <laughs>
2: yeah, that's I, mine my, too. My, my long
1: rant is <laughs> that I. I'm I'm disappointed when you've if you do a really good job on the first one and there aren't any sequels and then your second game is completely different. I would be disappointed by that. I would say like yeah. do a sequel or two. Like give us a little bit more of this before we get tired of it, you know. <laughs> Yeah. that's all
0: i'm glad you said it because i was thinking it good Yeah. i was like I, I am the exact same way it's like i i have no problem with going off the formula like you, you can do three zeldas one way and then all of a sudden the fourth is completely at a right field yeah yeah and cool. uh it'll be great as long as the game is good yeah <laughs> so, I, I, so I mean, no, no pressure developers if i mean
1: this is the this is the truth about any creative endeavor like and, and I think what the reason why people don't take risks is because of because of idiots like me saying, like, oh yeah, go ahead yeah, take a risk, but it better be good. You know, like yeah. that's what that's what the managers are saying in the business meetings, right? All the all the bigwigs on the top floor are like, Oh yeah, we're happy to endorse your creativity, but it better be good. You know, like I I, I yeah. it is it is a very selfish viewpoint, but I yeah, I don't know. you are allowed uh, before, to be selfish sometimes.
2: Before we move on though, David, this I'm conscious that you guys haven't yet mentioned Final Fantasy once in this in this entire podcast. And I know <laughs> we're, uh contractually contractually obliged to mention it. And we were trying episode. to have
1: one episode. <laughs> yes.
2: So I'll spoiled
1: it.
0: You. It. <laughs> it was <laughs> in my mind the whole time, trust me. I was I was thinking it. I just didn't want to didn't well, want to, didn't want to do it. You know, who knows? David like, David's
1: urge to talk about Final Fantasy rises every minute. By the time <laughs> we get it. to ninety minutes, he just starts blurting out Final Fantasy eight. <laughs> like, there's nothing we can do to stop it. It's like a like a fire hydrant, you know.
2: But how do you feel well, about the, the kind of recent twists and turns that that's taken? Compared, you know, you know, you can't mention it without mentioning Dragon Quest, which is always kind of sticking to its formula quite rigidly. Um yes. yeah. Final Fantasy obviously switches things up. You know, seemingly on a whim. How? Yeah. Back to your question, David. How does that kind of make you feel when you get something I'm, that's brand new? I'm perfectly
0: happy. <laughs> I guess I have to go back to the. I I like that they want to do something different, and uh, it's great until I get a Final Fantasy 13. <laughs> 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 so, yeah, right. uh, so it's it's tough. Like the. Because I know, uh, fifteen was a pretty big departure, especially since like they left the turn-based combat, which has always been. It's one of the few things in Final Fantasies that's really been uh, uh, throughout them all. Like, uh, I, like you you get your clumps of Final Fantasies that are very similar. Like four, five, and six are obviously pretty similar on the Super Nintendo, and then your PlayStation One, like seven, eight, nine. There's there's some differences with the combat system and such, but there, you can still feel like the era and then like the PS2 era and that sort of thing. So but um but I I I like that they're changing. Uh I enjoyed 15. I didn't mind the change from the turn-based style. But if I didn't I think had they done if if 15 wasn't an open world, it's almost like they took away the turn-based style that I liked, but then they gave me back the open world that they took away in 13 mm. that that I wanted back. So it's like okay, well he took away my turn base, which I prefer over the action RPG, but the open world that they made was so good, I I just I didn't mind. So it's I, I guess it kind of does go, just if it's good, I I like it, and if it's if it's not, I'll complain.
2: Well, I think that's another problem that we've solved, isn't it? Basically, it's just you know we've solved Bastion, and we've solved development of sequels. <laughs> just, yeah, just, so just, just, just just only make good games. Make it good. That's yeah, right. easy. Make whatever you want, as long as it's good. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Well, this is a probably a good spot for you to uh, take over, Jordan, and take us home.
1: Yeah, well, I, but the good spot was five minutes ago before we started talking about Final Fantasy, but uh, <laughs> that's okay. This will be the second second uh, good opportunity. Uh, so, Ben, it was awesome having you on, buddy. Uh, this was a, kind of a long time coming, obviously. Um, can you tell people where they can find you? What kind of stuff are you working on right now with the Switch Island? What are you guys up to?
2: Yeah, sure. So, we are, yeah, with Switch Island, we are a weekly uh podcast that's probably our our most um closest to our kind of tentpole thing that we produce um so we kind of we we've recently as i mentioned earlier switched over to a live podcast so we record that uh, at 8:30 BST every Tuesday which i guess is what 3:30 your time david yeah 3:30 eastern uh, and 12:30 yeah. pacific yeah. i think yeah yeah um and that's a lot of fun we we're, we're very much enjoying recording it live um it's a very light-hearted and chaotic experience at the best of times and doing it with people uh commenting in chat and joining in with the fun is uh is is very good i would say if you enjoy um your content with a with a slice of british humor and sometimes quite childish humor to be honest uh and a few beers involved then definitely um Come and check that out, and give us a follow at the Switch Island on Twitter. Um, and if you want to, you know, criticize anything that I've said on this episode, you can come and speak to me personally uh, at <laughs> Ben Benji Kong on Twitter. Um, or else, I feel like I should plug something else. Yeah, occasionally we do um, another podcast called Desert Island Cartridges, where we have uh, esteemed guests such as Jordan, for yes, example. That's right. He was on it. <laughs> that, was, uh, that was a lot of fun couple of months ago which was good um mm. which reminds me Jordan Lewis wanted yes. me to ask you Uh-oh. if you've tried haggis yet
1: I <laughs> no I haven't um I I I, I you know I'm I'm the least adventurous person in the best of times. So uh, I, I think it's at some point in my life, I would like to, but I'm, I'm, I'll, I'll tell you this. I, I I, have cousins in Scotland and I, I do want to bring my boys over to visit them at some point, you know, because my, my mom's side of the family is from there. And so I'd, I'd like to, you know, do like a kind of a, a British Isles trip. I, you know, I want to go to Scotland and England and uh, just, just, you know, see as much we can visit uh, in a week or so. Um, mm. And I think that if I was going to have haggis, I would have it there. I don't think I would have it here. <laughs> you know, like I, I, I'm already yeah. worried about the, 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 the taste of what haggis is. On a very basic level, but then to try a Canadianized version of it maybe is even uh, <laughs> a little bit more scary to me. So uh, I, I I do want to try the genuine article at some point. So you can tell uh, Lewis that if he's not listening that uh, <laughs> well, at some point. But I'm going to do it with my boys beside me, so that uh, maybe they, they can finish it if I don't like it. So
2: very good. Um, yeah. But yeah, since you know we've had we've had you on Desert yeah. Island Cartridges, Jordan. We've had uh Casey and Perry on. So I guess the next one would be to have David on. So David, you're welcome anytime that would be awesome Sounds
0: yeah, another another final fantasy discussion i guess oh, oh god <laughs>
2: actually i i rescind that offer yeah I think- <laughs> uh
1: yeah so again awesome to have you on ben we'll have to do this again soon uh please check out uh ben's content uh, on the switch island uh, i like to listen to uh, the switch island podcast when i go for a walk with my dog because it's very it's very kind of lighthearted and fun and i don't have to like think too much about it, you know, Is, is you guys are, not talking about? Like, <laughs> no, no, I, I mean, I mean that like, you're not talking about anything really heavy, you know, you're just kind of, yeah, 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 yeah. I feel like you're part of the conversation when you're listening to it, you know, like you're, you're just kind of a, a, a participant at the table, I guess, or something like that. So I, I like that mood when I'm, when I'm walking or when I'm outside, I'm just trying to unwind. I, hmm. and I, I don't, I don't, I just want to decompress. I think it's a good podcast for that. So, uh, you know, kudos to you guys for, uh, for the work you're doing. Oh thank you. That's that's
2: really nice to know. And and I should probably just return the favor and say that the thirsty mage is my favorite podcast to listen to in bed. <laughs> and uh, that's where I I quite often doze off listening to it. Uh not not because it's boring obviously, but because it's it just relaxes me. And then when the last call music comes on, I wake up and go, "Oh shit, I need to re listen to half of that again." <laughs>
1: So if I ever start doing the Ruck's voice on the podcast, you'll probably be asleep in about two minutes. So just let me know if you're dealing with any insomnia and I'll uh, I'll make sure to switch over to the other voice. Um, We've uh, yeah, obviously want to thank everybody for listening. If you haven't already, please subscribe to the Thirsty Mage while you're there. Why don't subscribe to the Switch Island as well? Uh, at the Thirsty Mage, uh, David's got a lot of uh, indie reviews going up on the website and on the YouTube channel. Uh, obviously, we're going to be doing kind of a news uh, a news video after the PlayStation 5 event, which is happening right now. So you'll be able to check that out on the website uh, and always get your news. Is it Thursdays or Fridays when you guys post the news, David? Uh, Fridays now. Fridays. Okay, cool. Yeah, yeah, so you get your kind of weekly update on RPG news and everything else that's going on uh, in the world of video games on the Thirsty Mage uh, YouTube channel uh, and on the website, of course. Um, uh what do we got coming up? I think we're doing Star Tropics next week in another crossover or is it to Xenoblade next week, David? I can't remember.
0: Uh I believe it's Star Tropics next week. Well will okay, just have cool. to check in with the, the Talk Nintendo podcast and then yeah, Xenoblade would be the, the week after.
1: Boo to the Talk Nintendo podcast or boo to Xenoblade? Yeah.
2: No nah, booing. <laughs> Booing you talk better not boo today. xenoblade boo. I, really enjoy, I really enjoy oh i'm i'm loving xenoblade don't worry <laughs> about it. this is that. good if
1: if, if if the timing if the stars align maybe we can have you on for the xenoblade episode as well because um it's your first time with the franchise i believe Dan, it is, is that right uh, yeah.
2: yeah but i'm only about 20 hours in though so i will have okay. to get a move on <laughs> if so if case. you if you were
1: if you were playing at my speed i just i wrapped the main game at 34 hours yesterday but I, wow. I play, I rush I, you know, through everything. I don't, I don't do all the side quests or anything like that. So uh, I was yeah. trying to get through it because I've got another RPG to review. But um, yeah, we'll have to talk about that. Uh, so is Xenoblade Chronicles episode coming up very soon. Uh, Star Tropics is kind of our, our throwback crossover. That'll be in the next week or so. Um, but yeah, lots of good content coming up on the podcast, on the website. So please check those out. Uh, if you can leave us a review on your podcast player, that would be awesome too. It increases visibility, which is always awesome. Um, and I think that does it um david yeah
0: i think it's all covered this week
1: very good so uh nice to look professional when we've got uh someone from england on the podcast um <laughs> ben uh, thank you again for joining us it was a pleasure we'll do it again very soon we'll have to get david on a desert island cartridge episode spoiler it's gonna be a final fantasy eight david please pick anything else um <laughs> <laughs> and then uh yeah i think that i think that does it for us this week so uh Hope to uh, have everybody listening to us again soon. Uh, talk to you again uh, in about a week or so. And that's all. Bye, everybody. Bye-bye. Bye, Bye.